0: We're going to be in a number of different places in the Word of God. Primarily, though, we're going to go over to the book of Ruth. We're going to spend some time over over there. But there was a story about a woman who had died and had gone to heaven. And, of course, we know this is not how you get into heaven, but this is so for the story here. And she comes up to the gate, and Peter is there. And Peter says, uh, before you get in, you have to spell a word. And she goes, what word do I need to spell? And he said, well, any word that you would like. And she said, well, I'll spell the word love, L-O-V-E. He said, that's a great word. Come on in. Oh, he said, just before you come in, can you do me uh, a favor? He says, I I have to go away for just a minute. Can you watch the gate while I go? And I'll be right back. So she says, sure, she'll watch the gate. And so he left, and just in that time, here comes her ex-husband. He comes up to the gate, and he says, wow am I really here? Did I really make it? He had just had a heart attack and it died and had come, and wasn't even expecting to be there. But here he was in heaven. And, and she looked at him and says, well, not yet. Not yet. You have to spell a word. And so he says, well, what word do I need to spell? And she thought for a moment and she goes, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> <laughs> now, how many know that that man did not have that woman's favor? We talked uh, two weeks ago, because last week we were on another topic, but two weeks ago we talked about how people are making prayers to God, and that when we are asking God for things that we need, generally, those things are in one of three places. They can be in the hands of God, they can be in the hands of other people, or we can already have them. Most people structure their prayers in such a way as that God has them. Even if the word of God doesn't tell us that he does. Now, God cannot give you what he does not have. Now, we like to think that, well, God has everything. That's not entirely true. Because if God has given things to you, they are no longer his. So, I was debating about which way do we go with this, which, which one of these we want to really take on first. The things that are in the hands of God, the things that are in your hands already. Nothing, nothing worse for your faith than asking God for something that you already have. That His Word has already said it's yours. And then you're sitting there asking God for it. But we're going to hold off on those two. And we're going to take on the area I think people have the greatest confusion. And that is, how do we pray when things are in the hands of others? How do we pray when someone else has what we need? Now, the first principle you must learn in this is that we do not ask in such a way as I am coveting what is my neighbor's. Because the Word of God says, Thou shalt not covet. It also goes on and says, You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet your neighbor's stuff. Stay out of coveting. So if you get into the area of covet, and you begin to ask God through faith for something that somebody else has, but you're coveting, that kind of negates your faith, doesn't it? So we have to understand, how do I pray for the things that are in the hands of others, not fall into the area of coveting, but still obtaining the thing that we need? If you're up on Facebook, I put a few things up there. If somebody has a job and you want that job, they have a job to give. They're going to give that job to somebody and you would like that job. How do you pray for favor for that thing? If somebody has a car that you want, you like that particular car, you want them to have favor with you to sell you that car. Whatever it might be, there's all kinds of things that we can have that we need favor for. And so we're going to take a look at some of those principles here today. Now, I told you, come here up on Facebook this morning. I put something up there in particular. Anybody go up there and see that? I appreciate both of you who did that. <laughs> but I told you that, the, <laughs> that there, was, um, there was something I had uh, le- learned on this, just in studying this out, that kind of blew my socks off. I hope it blows off your socks as well. I, 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 put it, I wrote it down for myself this way to make sure I got it for you right. That I have many times been asked to and did pray for people for favor from others. Now, how about you? You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that. But I have been asked by other people. They come up to me and say, will you pray for me that I would have favor in this situation? And I have prayed for them. And I never really thought much about it. But as I was preparing and getting ready for this and studying this out, this came to me up in my spirit. You know, not audible or anything like that. But up in my spirit came this. Steve... Have you ever asked for favor from me, for anybody, from anybody? I says, no, Father, I've never done that. Not that I can recall. I have never asked you to give me favor for another person. Have you, yes, this one, have you ever asked anybody to pray for you for favor in a situation? And I thought about it, I says, no, I can't ever think of a time that I've ever done that. But yet, when people have come and asked me for to pray for that, i just jumped right on in and, and and prayed for that that thing. Now, once those questions came to me, that made me start looking about some things. So I went to the Word of God and began to look. And you know, I could not find a single instance where someone in the body of Christ asked another believer to pray for them for a favor. Huh that's got my attention. I couldn't find anybody who said, will you pray for us or for me that we would have favor with so and so nowhere in the Bible. Now the Bible is a pretty good good sized book. Now just think about it this way. How often do we think at least if we don't ask do we think about praying for or asking for favor from God with other people? And yet I can't find it in the Bible. I can't find a place where we're even asked, we're directed to pray. Not not, not an example. I can't think of a time when Paul said, pray for favor in these situations. I couldn't think of that either. So I began to go through some things on the Word of God. Here, let's take a look at Luke chapter... Well, let's that's not, that's not look at Luke first. Uh, pull up that scripture I told you to have ready for us over in Luke. It's not in your outline. You'll have to write this one down if you want. It comes from chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 51. Then he, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Man. Now, one of the places we see this as well, in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, then the angel said to her, I'm sorry, wrong one, 1 Samuel 2, verse 26, and the child grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and man. So two times, once in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament, do we find that a person grew in favor with God and with men. Now, relate this, this is not in your outline, this is just, you can write this down if you want to, but relate this to a question the disciples came to Jesus and they said to him, increase our faith. Remember him saying that? Increase our faith. And what did Jesus say? All you need is a little bit. All you need is a little bit of faith. God's faith is, is a mustard seed. mustard, can you can go far. Now, a seed, seed faith, we always learn about seed faith, that seed faith grows. You start off with a little bit of faith and it begins to grow. and But seed faith grows. But we've learned from that that you can't necessarily, God, increase my faith. We can't pray that way. It's something that grows. Well, if favor is also one of those things that grows, then are we missing God by asking God for it? So Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and... In favor with God and men. He grew in it. Grew in favor. Let's go on and take a look at some other places. In Luke chapter 1 verse 30, Then the angel said to her, said to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor. You have found favor with God. You have found favor. Now, that word for found is used about 170 times in the New Testament. If you want to have some fun with the word, just do a Greek search on that. How many of you still have a quick verse floating around your computer? It's getting harder and harder to find computers that are work on. I still have one, (laughs) and I still use it. Pull that sucker up and and look this, this thing up. So I found that in about 170 verses, you can find this word in the scriptures that is being used. And so I pulled out one of them just for fun for you. Actually, it's uh, using the two the different times. Let's go on over to Second Timothy 1, verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed by my chains. But he, when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. He sought me out very zealously and found me. That's the same word for found. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me in Ephesus. Well, he, he says, he sought me out very zealously and found me. So when you're using, we're talking about this word find. Mary, you have found Favor. If he had said the angel found favor, did he? He said that Mary found favor. If Mary found favor, wouldn't that, uh, from this verse, wouldn't you surmise that she was looking for it? How often do you remember this phrase being used in the word of God? If I have found favor in your eyes. How often do you remember that phrase being used? Old Testament, New Testament, we see it used quite often. If I have found favor in your eyes. We're asking if God has found us to be in favor. So if we have God looking for people to be in favor, and we have people like Mary looking to be in favor, it seems that favor is not something to be prayed for, but something that is sought and found. Now, if, there's a, if, if the Word of God teaches us to seek for and to find favor and we simply pray for it, how many know we could be missing the boat? We could be going the wrong direction with our prayers. Now, I looked up the definition for, for grow Because it says, Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord. And men say the same thing of Jesus. They grew. It means to increase by natural development as any living organism or part by assimilation of nutriment. To increase in size or substance. So it starts out small, but through regular care and attention. It becomes larger than when it started. Now we're getting into the fall. Isn't that sad? I think it's that we're getting into the fall in the spring. You may plant seeds for a vegetable garden. You start out with a small seed in that small seed that you got. You put it in the ground. You water it. You take care of it. You make sure that it has what it needs and it begins to grow and become big. But we had to make sure that we attended to it. If along the course of the month of July, the rain wasn't falling and you didn't water it, what would happen to it? They would shrivel up and die. You have to keep out being out there and, and, and water this stuff, because you want it to grow. Too often, Christians have let their favor run dry, and when they need it, want to throw some water on it. Well, I'm just going to pray that I have favor in this situation. And sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. I put this in your outline for you. Great favor is not automatic, instant, or rightfully ours. As we get along in this thing, I don't, think, I don't know if we're going to get into it today. I get amazed as I study this topic at the number of things that Christians think are theirs. And pray like it's theirs and it's nowhere in the Word of God ever said that it was. I get amazed at it. Well, I just believe this isn't going to happen. I'm thinking, I don't know what you're using to believe that for. Because there's nothing in the Word of God that says that. We're not getting into that now. It's you know, coming up. Now, if God's favor starts small and grows, what are the things we do to increase it? Wouldn't, that be not, wouldn't it be helpful to know, what can I do to increase favor? Just like we want to know, how do I increase my faith? How do I increase the favor? What do I do for that? put this in your outline for you. How, many, how did Christians come to think that favor of man comes different than the favor of God? I put that in there for this reason. How many of you have you ever said, Father God, I pray that you would grant me your favor? Have you ever prayed that to God? God, I pray that you would be favorable, that you would grant me your favor in this situation. No, but we pray all the time, God grant me the favor of other people. God grant me the favor for this This job. God grant me the favor to buy this car. God grant me the favor in this situation that I got myself in that I want to get myself out of. But favor is said to be found. Make sure I got all your. I got one more blank for you there, don't I? Are believing for favor or finding. Are we? I'm. I'm I put it back in your outline. Then put it back in mine. Are you believing for favor or finding it? Are we as Christians supposed to be believing for favor or finding it? Well, in the Word of God, we looked at so far. How many of you say that the Word of God is teaching us that we are to find favor, not believe for it? But most Christians are believing for it, which means if you're believing for it, you're not finding it. And if we're not finding it, then that's why we're not getting it. Now, as we look at the topic of favor, certainly our minds would go over to Ruth, who certainly found favor. We're going to kind of jump here in the, in the middle of it, in the middle of the, middle of the story. Uh, Ruth, she had, um, of course, mother-in-law Naomi, she had two sons, and she married one of them. And Naomi's husband died, and then the two sons, they died. Nothing is given to us about how they died or why they died or anything like that, but it seems that they died young. The sons did anyway. They died young. Verse 1, there was a relative. I I told you verse 5 in your outline, but I'm going all the way back to verse 1. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, please. Let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. So she didn't ask, you know, pray that I find favor. She said, I'm going to go here and um, maybe I'll find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Now he called her a young woman, which means she was young. Younger than Boaz. So if she was young, more than likely her husband was young because he he'd already been dead. Who is this one? Who is or whose young woman is this? So there is something about her that got Boaz's attention. Have you ever had people just get your attention? You're in a crowd and all of a sudden it just seems like your attention is drawn to one person or another. Sometimes we may be thinking about this. Well, you know, Boaz was single. He was looking for uh, somebody to marry and he saw this, this gal over there and he just was attracted to her. Well, he sees her as a young woman and much younger than her. And later on in the story... When we find out that they uh, actually might have something going on in that way, he even said, "Look, you're too, you're too young for me." And she says, "No, no, no, that's all right." <laughs> so um, that doesn't seem to be what's on his mind. But there is something about her that has him interested. Who is this woman over here? Now. It doesn't have to be that you want to date somebody, but sometimes people just catch your interest. You just catch them. Who is that person? Who is this one? I'm not. I just want to find out who they are. You're just interested and find out they look like they might be an interesting person to talk to. So you want to go over there and find out who they are. This was the case here with Ruth and with Boaz. So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, "It is the young woman, or the young Moabite woman, who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab." And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and was continued from a morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house. So apparently, she's a hard worker. Because when you're reaping, you're out there in the sun. That sun's beating down on you. Have you ever ever, ever been outside on a hot day? And then been outside on a hot day under the sun? I'll tell you what, it's the sun that wears you out. It's, the, it's not the, the heat. It could be 90 degrees, and if you're in the shade, it's not so bad. But if it's 80 degrees and you're out in full sun, that sun can just drain you. There's no shade where these folks are gleaning because if there were shade, there wouldn't be the sun for the crops. So it's sun. It's full sun. I don't know about you all, but um, I made a mistake a few times. I, you know, I like running in the heat. I made a mistake a few times that I went up on the 202 bypass where I like to run most of the time, go up on that 202 bypass, and especially on Wednesdays. Wednesdays was the toughest day because if I get out on Wednesdays, I'm usually doing some work in the morning, and then if I get out on a Wednesday, it's like 11 o'clock. Go out and make 10, 11 o'clock sometime in there. I try and go out and, and run and then get cleaned up and then come on down here for the, get ready for the Wednesday night service. So a lot of times on Wednesdays, but sometimes some other days, I've been out on there in the middle of the day. Now, you all know if you've been on there, there's trees on the one side, trees on the other side, and those trees provide shade up until a certain time of day. And then that shade will return later on in the day. But there's a number of hours where you are under full, direct sun. Full, direct sun. And one of the first times I did that, I I made the mistake of running on there. I said, oh, man, as much as I like heat, I think this might kill me. (laughs) It it was tough going. It was really tough going. And um, so I just made it a point that if I have to run in the middle of the day anymore, I don't run on the 202 bypass. (laughs) I go someplace else where it's a little bit more shaded and get a little bit of a break from that. But this woman, her her, uh, mother-in-law, not even her mom, her mother-in-law needs food. She needs food. And she goes out and she works under this sun and he says, it's pretty incredible. I mean, she's out there the whole day. She took a little bit of time off and got into the, the shade area or by the house, but after that, she was right back out there and going after it. Well, that tells him some things. And when she came to him to glean, apparently she didn't just fall back in there and start gleaning because he said in verse 7, and she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now. Now, it's, it's, we don't think about gleaning anymore, but that was their form of begging. Instead of just going out there and having a cup. and uh, Now, they had some places where they did that in the cities, but out here in the fields, you could do some things. And so you would just follow after the reapers. And after they went through and they reaped all the stuff, some things would fall. They wouldn't get it all. And they were actually commanded in the word of God, don't try and get it all. You let, let some of it fall for the people, the poor people, to go on back there and to glean. God didn't say, gather it and give it to them. He said, have them go out there and get it. <laughs> go back to the Old Testament. That's what he said. Have them go out there and get it. They want that food. You can leave it there, but it's their job to go out there and get it. So they went out there and they're supposed to get it. So she's coming in. But she does just, just assume I'm going to come in here and glean. She asks. I will bet you they didn't have too many people who ever asked. Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. And Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in any other field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn." In other words, these guys over here, they're going to pull water up and you can drink from that. You don't have to eat your own water. And they're going to make sure that nobody takes care, that nobody does anything to you. You're going to be safe here because that could be a little bit dangerous for a young woman in those days. She fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Why have I found favor in your eyes? In your eyes? Wouldn't we like to answer that question? If I could find out how it is that I can walk in favor, I would stop praying for it, wouldn't I? And I would walk in the favor, I would grow in that favor. I would walk in the favor I have, and I would continue to grow so that I would have other favor and other things to, to go on. Now, think of it this way how many of you have people in your life, and there are some people in your life that when they call you, you get excited? Oh, so-and-so called. Oh, how are you doing? How are you doing? And um, some other people who call you, and when you answer the phone, you say, oh, hi. <laughs> you know, you don't avoid their phone call, but it's like, oh, hi. You know, what's, what's going on? And then other people, you look at the caller ID, and you say, I am not taking that call. <laughs> now, right there, you have just walked in, in favor and disfavor. You've walked in favor with one, enough favor with the other to answer the phone, but not real excited about it. And the other one, How many of y'all know they did not find favor in your eyes? How many of you admit that there are people in your life that have have fallen out of favor? And if they call you, unless you are really desperate to talk to someone, (laughs) you do not answer their call. Oh, if I talk to that one now, they're going to have me on the phone for an hour and they're going to be complaining about this and they're going to be talking about this. And we can understand exactly how it is that people have fell, fallen into disfavor with our phone conversations. I saw on Facebook, somebody had put up uh, this routine that some comedian, I do not know who the comedian is. I don't think I've ever seen him before, but he was wonderful at the routine. And he was doing the routine from, if you can think back to about 30 years ago, when someone would come and knock on your door. Can you think about this? 30, 40, maybe 50 years ago, if someone came and you heard a knock on your door, what was your response? (gasps) We have company. Wouldn't it? Didn't, Didn't everything in the household stop when someone knocked at your door? And... Everyone would run over. He, as he talked about it, he says, you know, the kids, they would have their socks on. And they would go running up to the door and slide up to the door. They were excited. Who was at our door? Now you look at 40 years later. And what happens when someone knocks at the door? Everybody be quiet. Shh. Who's at the door? I don't know. Were you expecting somebody? I wasn't expecting somebody. Why are they at our door? Why are they at our door? And we go up and we sneak up to the door. We try and look. Oh. I can't believe they're here. Why are they here? Now he went on. He did all kinds of fun things in the routine. It was absolutely hysterical. Anyways, you see that, it's, uh, it's worth the five minutes or so it takes to, to see it. Oh, it's um, just such a difference. How did we get to that spot? How do we get to that place where someone knocking on the door wasn't a big deal? How do we, find, how do we fall out of favor? You see, if I can learn the, the keys that teach me how I fall out of favor, wouldn't I also learn the, key, the, the keys to growing in favor? So you think about it this way. Who are the people that when they call you, you get excited that they call? Who are the people that when they call you, you send them the voicemail? And what's the difference between those two people? I can't tell you all the things that are making up your list, but I'll bet you it's going to be some of these things like this. The people that you answer the phone call from, they make you feel good when you talk to them. They take an interest in you. Not just interested in telling you about their life. They have a genuine interest in you. They're genuine in their conversation. It's not fake or plastic, but it's a real conversation. They don't waste your time on the phone. If what they have to say can be said in three minutes, then they're off the phone in three minutes. If what they say takes a little bit longer, you'll give them a little bit longer because you know they value time. They're respectful of your time. They're respectful of, of the things going on in your life. Some people, they think whenever they call you, if they get you on the phone, you should have an hour for them. And that sours you a little bit, the answering in their phone call, doesn't it? See, there are things that we do, we recognize, that cause people to fall in and out of favor with us. how is it not going to be the same thing with God? If two times we saw in the Word of God, once in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament, that people grew in favor with God and men, then growing in favor is not a bad thing. If we grow in favor with God, how many know it has to be a good thing? So growing in favor with men is going to be the same. It's not an instant thing. It's not something that we can just Just pray. But here's something interesting about this story with Ruth. We think about the people that have fallen out of our favor. And the reason that they have fallen out of our favor is because there have been a number of things that have happened between us that cause us to realize that they don't respect our time. They don't respect us. They're not interested in us. They don't really care about whatever it might be. The list can go on. But then there's also people that are in our favor and we can't wait to answer their phone call when they when they ring us because they've taken the time with us. But they've, they've sown into us or they have sown either good seed or bad seed into us. But here we got Ruth and Boaz. What has Ruth sowed into the life of Boaz? Absolutely nothing. They haven't even met much. This is the, day, the first day he met her called it, whoa, who who is this one over here? And he finds out who it is. And apparently just favor is just he just pours out favor. Why does Boaz pour out favor on Ruth when she has done absolutely nothing to sow into his life to get his favor? How could could that be possible? Why have I found favor in your eyes? She's even surprised. Man, you don't even know me. I haven't done anything to help you out. And yet, here you are doing all this. Why have I found favor in your eyes that you would do all this for me? So, how is this favor that she received gained? Verse 11 And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done. For your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Well, what did he do? Google her? <laughs> how does he get all this after just meeting her? How does he find out about all this? Well, he apparently was curious about this. Wait a minute. This woman, did, she worked how? She worked and did What? She did all that. Who knows about who she is? Well, so-and-so over here, they, they, uh, they know a little bit more about her. And he goes over and he finds so-and-so. And he says, tell me about this situation. What's going on with Ruth? And he says, well, this is the, the story. Naomi, you know, she went over here. Gives him the whole story. Oh, okay. And, uh, and why did she follow her mother-in-law? Well, she was uh, told not to follow, but she, she followed anyway. And uh, maybe even said, made the statement, your God be my God. And you know the, the famous thing that she said? But he, he asked and he found some things out. Why does he want to? Why does he want to find out about this woman? There's something about her. He says, The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge says, you may have been part of a foreign country, you may have worshipped foreign gods, but you've come here to Israel now. And may the Lord God of Israel watch over you and repay your work. Put this in your outline for you. Favor is not a prayer, it's a lifestyle. Favor is not a prayer, it's a lifestyle. There are people who live a lifestyle in which favor seems to follow them, and people who live a lifestyle in which favor seems to leave them. Now think back about these people that you won't take their phone calls. You don't want to talk with them on the phone. Out of how many of them have they also said, you know, no one ever takes my calls? Have you ever heard that from them? Why do you think that is? Because if you have a lifestyle of disfavor you won't receive the favor that you want. If you have a lifestyle of favor, you can receive the favor that you want, sometimes even need. Now here's the thing. Ruth followed a lifestyle all her life. And wherever she went, she stood out. There's something different. Something different about this person over here. So Boaz went out and let's find out about her. Tell you what, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's take care of the water that she needs for the day. Let's make sure that she's got a safe place. Let's make sure that she doesn't have to go any place else to glean. She can get it all right here. What he is saying is, beside all the other gleaners, I am going to fully support the food needs of this family. That's what he's taking on. He says, "Don't go anyplace else. I want you to stay right here." In Proverbs chapter twelve, verse one, reads this way: "Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid." <laughs> I love that one. I bet you get some other versions of this that probably have a real entertaining. This is just the New King James. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. Now think of these people that you don't want to answer them the door when they come. You don't want to take their phone calls. How many of those people hate instruction? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you know why you don't want to take their phone call? Because they're stupid. I didn't say that. The Word of God did. Because most of these people who follow a life of unfavor, follow a life where they refuse to take instruction. You see, the people that you like to talk with are generally people who love instruction and love to correct themselves. That's not the verse we really wanted to see. That's just kind of the leading up to verse. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. So who gets the favor of the Lord? A good man. If the Lord gives his favor to those that the Word of God calls good, how wrong are you for giving your favor to someone who is good? Whose example are you following? See, perplexed looks all over the place hope you're thinking about it. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions, he will condemn. How many of you have people in your life with wicked intentions? And it just seems like the favor that would come from you is just shut down. Sometimes the enemy comes and tries to convict you on this. You ought to be helping them. They need, they need God. You ought to be helping them. If God shuts down people with wicked intentions, but you don't, whose example are you following? We're supposed to follow the example of God, aren't we? Proverbs 11, verse 27. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor. But trouble will come to him who seeks evil. This is the Word of God. Has not mentioned anything about praying for this. It says, he who earnestly seeks good finds favor. But trouble will come to him who seeks evil. Proverbs fourteen nine, Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. Now, 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let me reword this verse just for a little bit. I'm going to take a little bit of liberty here and just reword this just slightly. God resists the proud. God declines favor on the proud. Is that a reach? God declines favor on the proud, but gives favor to the humble. Is that a reach at all? Isn't the grace of God favor? Isn't God resisting you disfavor? So if I want favor, I need to follow what the Word of God says. All of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. You see, folks, the amount of favor you walk in has very little to do with your prayer life and everything to do with your humility level. The more humility you walk in, the more favor you will find find. That's what the Word of God says. The more humility you walk in, the more favor you will find. The more pride you walk in, the less favor you will find. So it seems that because Ruth had become a certain type of person, she was humble. She would receive instruction. He even said that to her. You'll receive instruction? I'm going to tell you some things. Because of that, she did things that were consistent with the character that she had developed in herself. i put this in your outline for you. That character caught the attention of those around her. And the things she did compelled people to give her grace, mercy, and favor. People around her were compelled to give her grace, mercy, and favor. Go through the whole book of Ruth. You'll find it. Let's pick up at verse 13. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your main servant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. Now I prefer olive oil if I'm going to dip, dip bread, but to each of their own. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back and when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. In other words, parts you haven't gone to yet, if she wanders over there, you just let her go. (laughs) Because it's easier. Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So if you see she is right behind you and there's other gleaners over there, but she's right behind you, you make sure you drop some. I want you to make sure you drop some extra. And then they could even probably turn around and go, right here, right here. Because they want her to find it. That's favor, isn't it? I haven't found one time where she prayed for it. It's come to her because of the way she walks. So she gleaned in that field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. I'm not sure exactly what an ephah of a barley is, but I'm pretty sure it's a lot. It's more than most people gleaned. Then she, then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. She had at the table. She was eating, but she kept back a little bit so she could bring it home to her mother-in-law for her to eat. Because she's thinking about someone else beside herself. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Now she's looking at this and says, My, where did you go? Where did you get all this stuff from gleaning? This is amazing. Blessed be the one who took notice of you. She, she knows it. She hasn't told him the story yet. She knows somebody took notice of you and helped you out. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, and that people do not meet you in another field. So she stayed close by the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Now the story of Ruth doesn't end there. You can keep on going. She's got more favor that's still coming. But this is going on in her life because of what? uh, The bad things, things have gone bad in her life because of the things that happened to her husband. Her husband died. Naomi's husband died. That's where the bad stuff came from. It was not from what they did. And maybe their husbands did something wrong. Maybe they were out doing things they shouldn't have been doing because it's kind of odd that both died young. Kind of odd for that to happen. Maybe they were doing reckless things. Maybe they weren't godly at all. Who knows what it was? The Bible doesn't give us any details on it. But we just know that they died young. But despite it, it didn't change Ruth. She still stayed with the same character she was before. Her life eventually gets better because of her character. And the favor of men was drawn to the character that she had. So, we have more things to get into than this, but uh, just a few things for you to wrap this one up. How can I develop the same character that Ruth had? How can I develop it so that You know, people want to find favor. A lot of times you are not in a place where you can pray, Father God, I need favor in this situation. And if that's not going to work anyway, why would you want to do it? You want to be in a place where favor just comes and finds you. I had a situation a a week or or two ago where I was driving around in my truck, coming down here for Wednesday night service. And a police officer pulled me over. I'm thinking, well... I'm going the speed limit, probably a little bit under. I said, pretty sure my taillights turned out. My car tells me about that. I said I didn't cross in the intersection, cross lanes in the intersection like the guy next to me did. (laughs) He was crossing, he'd done that, and I saw that one, but I didn't, I didn't do that one. So I didn't know why he pulled me on over. But as he came to the to the window, you know, he asked for my driver's license and normal stuff. I had it all ready for him, and I gave it to him. And he uh, he said to me, you know, your registration's expired. I said, oh no, it's not. Re- I we re- told him the story how I how I redid it and we didn't get the stickers anymore. He says, no, I already looked it up. It's it's expired. We're talking. It was supposed to be done back in March. <laughs> it was really expired. And he says, well, um, I, I, as far as I know, I thought it was it was done. He says, no, it's definitely expired. Um, he said, and he looked over in the front and he saw my inspection wasn't due until next month. He says, probably when you got your inspection then you would have caught it that it wasn't, uh, wasn't right. So he says, I'll be back. So he went back to his car, and you know, he's writing up his stuff. Didn't even one time occur to me, ask God for favor. Didn't even think about it. Never asked God for favor. Just sat there. It was very pleasant to him. He was very pleasant to me. And he came on back up, and he says, now, he says, this is what, you're gonna, what you can do. If you uh, go and you, you fill out the online thing, because everything's online now, if you fill it out online, and you, you um, email me a copy of that, he said, I'll void the citation. But the citation, he said, it's over $200. For the for that, then you still have to go out and you get and my car is more expensive to register than any of yours are. I guarantee you that mine probably costs three times more what yours costs because of the size of the vehicle. It's um, you know, you got to get away with a little, little tiny bit of stuff. I don't. I got to pay you. <laughs> it's a good bit. But not having to pay the 200 plus dollars. I think you said it was like two hundred and sixty dollars. It was going to be uh, in addition. So, um, so I did all the things that he asked and, and uh, mailed that all in and got it all taken care of and didn't have to pay the, the fine. How many of you all say that was, favor? that was favor? That was favor. See, favor found me on that one. I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask him for leniency. I didn't ask him for mercy. Didn't ask him at all. He just came and he brought it. You see, if you operate your life in a certain way, clothe yourself with humility and get rid of pride, favor will find you more often than the bad stuff. So what I did was I came up with a pride test. This is not a pride test that I came up with on my own. This is uh, some of the things that God would tell me about along the way. and things to, to get out. I think I missed uh, this one spot on your outline there. Grow in humility, decrease in pride. That's what we need to do. If You want to develop the same character as Ruth? Grow in humility, decrease in pride. Here is the test. Now, I ran out completely on room. I had no more room to put the test in. So if you want the test, you have to write it on a piece of paper that you got or somewhere on the sideline, wherever it is. If you want to write this down, then you would just uh, write it down that way. Here's the first thing that God would tell me with all years back, and I keep trying to, to um, check this out on myself because I tell you what, you can fall out of this pretty quick. Here's the number one test, the first test, on finding out how much pride you have. Who do you blame? The more you see as not your fault, blame others known or unknown or other things. Well, if those lights don't quit doing that, I'm going to be late. No, the reason you're late is because you didn't leave on time. The more you see as not your fault, the more pride is in your heart. The more you want to blame other people or blame other things, the more pride is in your heart. The more you look to yourself to change what isn't right or working, the more humility you have in your heart. If you are the first person you look to to change, that's a sign of humility. If you're trying to change the people that are around you, that's a sign of pride. Number one test God gave me for this. Steve, who do you blame? Stop seeing everything as other people's fault and change what you can change. Here's the second one. Who do you accuse? The more with your mouth and thoughts you blame or accuse, the more pride gives voice to your words. Don't let it give voice to your words. Who do you accuse? You go around and say, well, I just know somebody did this. That's pride. That's not Humility. I catch myself doing it sometimes too. We got to make sure that we stay out of it. I wrote this down during the worship service and forgot to give it to you. Take a break on the on the pride test. Got two more things to go for you. We got a lot more on the testing. I got lots of stuff on the test. I'm only giving you four today, because <laughs> you know it can get to be a little much. But I put this. I wrote this down. The um, The favor you walk in today is from the seeds you have already sown. The favor you walk in today is from the seeds you have already sown. The favor that Ruth was walking in when Boaz met her was the favor from the seeds she had sown before. Now the same thing is this. The disfavor that you walk in today is from the seeds you have sown before. Don't blame other people. They were your seeds. Well, amen anyway. (laughs) Number three, what do you seek? In Luke 14, verse 8, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do you sit down in the best places? Lest one, or Do not sit down in the best places, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest places, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." Do not seek to be exalted either in seats or from your actions, whatever it is. The more pride is working in you, the more you seek to be exalted. The more humility is working in you, the less you seek to be exalted. In fact, you are actually thrilled if people never find out what it is that you did. That's a sign of humility. You see, folks, if you clothe yourself with more humility and get rid of the pride, favor will find you. Remember, Jesus grew in favor with God and men. All right, number four. Last one. How Do you treat others? Number four. How do you treat others? Luke 6, chapter 6, verse 31. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Don't treat others as you have been treated. Don't treat others... As they treat you. If you operate in those things. You are getting rid of humility. And you are putting on pride. If I am getting rid of humility. And putting on pride. What does the word of God say in Peter again? God resists. The proud. But gives grace. To the humble. If God says in his word. That he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I pray, Father God, give me favor in this situation with these people. But I have not walked in humility. What am I asking God to do? Go against His word. To do something apart from what He said in His word. And is God going to do that? He is not. Don't treat others the way you have been treated. Don't treat others the way that person treated you. Treat others the way you want to be treated. That's it. Humility treats other people the way they want to be treated, whether they are ever treated that way or not. It's not, well, you know what, God, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to try this out for a week. See how it goes. Takes long, takes seeds longer than that to grow, doesn't it? You've got to spend some time, folks. Get it ready. The favor you walk in today is from the seeds you've sown in the past. The disfavor you walk in today is from the seeds you have already laid down. Walk in the favor is walking in humility. Every time that you pick up pride, every time that you pick up pride, you pick up an atmosphere about yourself. And people can pick up, people who don't even know you can pick up. And that's why it is, folks, that there are people that you meet on the street and all of a sudden you say, oh, I am really enjoying the fellowship with this person. And other people you meet on the street and you can't wait to get away. (laughs) Have favor. Let me give you another story of this. And I tell you what, I, this is one I made a mistake on. I made a mistake on this, overcame it, but I, I didn't make the mistake. You all know that I had this uh, issue with the hip. It knocked me out of running for a little bit. I'll get back into it, but knocked me out for, for a little bit. And um, the, the pain kept going on and going on. And so finally I said, you know, let's get some x-rays. So I got some x-rays on the thing, and, and the x-rays came up negative. Everything looks good. And so they said, the next thing we have to do is an MRI, but they're going to want a few weeks to, to transpire before the insurance company will authorize an MRI. And this is this is a mistake I made. I Out of my own mouth, out of my own mouth, I said this. I said, I don't really want to go through that process because it's going to mean I have to make the appointment with this doctor, and then he's going to send me to this doctor. By the time I get the appointment for that one, you know, it'll be a couple of weeks. And then... I'll have to uh, make the appointment for the MRI, and then I'll have to go back and find out. I said, that's a lot of weeks. I don't want to spend all those. I let that come out of my mouth. I immediately corrected it. Sometimes didn't let much time go. I corrected that, but um, I still let that come out of my mouth. How many of you all know, sometimes we just let things like that just go out of our mouth, and fortunately we can we can fix that. But um, I was, uh, So I made the appointment with the regular doctor, and I said, I need to make an appointment. And so um, I made the appointment. We went on in there. And we went through all the different things. And as we got to the end of it, it didn't seem like he was going to recommend an MRI. And so I asked him, I says, well, you know, the main reason I'm here is I wanted to get a recommendation for an MRI that we can get a better sight of what's going on. And so uh, he said, he says, well, yeah, he says, I I think it's going to be a tough sell. I I mean, you've done a lot of things. You tried to help things. I just don't know that they're going to buy into financing the the insurance company financing an MRI for this. He said, but if you really want to, I'll, I'll try and make a sell. On the, on the thing, and he says, but just don't get your hopes up on the thing. I said, well, if you long, you know, give him a call. And I, um, I said, you know, when I had called him before, I had favor with the insurance company, and the, the young man who took my call, he says, look, if you need anything else on this, this is my name, this is my extension, call me. So I said, they gave me, this guy gave me a number. He said, well, if you've got a n- number of a guy, yeah, let's that's that's, that's talk to him. And so uh, this was on a Thursday. And uh, I was talking to the people out in the reception. The other ones have to make the phone call. So they were, well, you know, this is the number we have to call. This is all the stuff we have to do. I said, I'll call you in with the, the guy's name. The next day, I got a phone call from him. I actually called my guy over there, and he says, yeah, I think we can do this. The next day, I got a phone call from my doctor's office, and she, she said, I am amazed. I have never seen it go through in this amount of time. They approved your MRI. I said, I have never seen, and bet in cases worse than mine, I have never seen it go through this fast, is what she said. And so I said, now I have to call and make the appointment for the MRI. And so I said, well, who knows how long that is. But I called them on a Friday. They said, boy, we don't have anything available until, and they gave me the date. And I said, that's Tuesday. I said, well, that's why I work's fine. <laughs> and so they got me in on Tuesday, had the MRI on Tuesday, had the results on Wednesday, and uh, was scheduled for the physical therapy and the stuff that we were going to do, I think, before the week uh, was out had everything on that, that gone. Now see, favor found me on that. But you see, if I walk in pride, even before this was going on, if I walk in pride, I'm sowing seeds that I'm not going to get favor when I need favor. I haven't done anything for any of these people who are involved who helped this thing. I haven't done a thing for them. And most of them didn't even know me. But they couldn't wait to schedule and to get the thing, thing going on it. Why? Because if you walk the way that God says tells you to walk, Favor will find you. People will look forward to putting things in your hands. We've got more to look at in the Word of God on this because there's a lot of confusion. How do we get things that are in the hands of other people when I need them in mine? So we'll spend some more time in the, in the weeks that are coming on this particular thing. Favor. How do we walk in favor? How do we get it? There's more examples. Ruth is just the first. Well, we've got other examples that we're going to look at and and check this out. In the meantime, go back into the Word of God and you dig into it. See what you find out on, on this thing. And instead of praying for favor, walk in a way for which favor will find you. Everybody got your four tests? Go home, give them to yourself. It's not like you're going to get a pass or fail and each one is you're going to get, well, I can work on that a little bit better. I'm still saying things out of my mouth. I'm still blaming other people. I'm still not quite treating people the way that I I, ought to, I want to be treated. Uh, whatever it might be. You just keep checking yourself up on me. How am I doing in this? What's going on in this area? What, what do I need to, to fix up? Because tell you what, we can easily fall from humility to pride. But if God is going to resist... The proud. If God is going to resist those who are in pride, how much more do you think the world will? Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you that you have shown us in your word a lifestyle. If we walk in this lifestyle as other people have, favor will find us. And I thank you, Father, that favor will find us. That we will grow in favor with God and in the favor of men. We will grow in that. I thank you, Father, that you show us in your word how we can check things out. See if we are walking in humility or if we're walking in pride. And Father, we want to get rid of all the pride in our life and walk in humility. There are people in our life that seem to bring out the bad things in us. Sometimes we think if I just get rid of those people everything will be better everything will be easier but that's not the case. Those people are just there exposing what is already wrong on the inside. I thank you Father. For the good people in our life I thank you even for the bad people in our life because the things that are going on in our life are not their fault it's ours I thank you for people who challenge me in the way that I treat other people that I make sure that I treat them as I would be treated and not as they have treated me because in doing so I put your word to the test there are many people in our lives who test the word in us that shows us where we're at we want to walk in favor. We like walking in favor. We love receiving favor from people. Then we can. I thank you for in the name of Jesus we pray. With no one looking around, every head bowed. If you're here today and you say I need more favor in my life. I've been going down a road sowing seeds that resulted in disfavor and I see that now and I'm ready to make a change would you raise your hand I'm ready to make a change Glory to God Father you see the hands that are lifted up I thank you Father that we can change we can get rid of the pride get rid of the blame of other people the accusations out of our mouth, the treatment of others who are seeking glory, those things can be gone from a prideful way and brought in in a way of humility. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Before we go this morning, it is our communion Sunday. As we have two ushers, if any of us else can be brought into service here. You got it. Very good. On the night which Jesus was betrayed, he went into the upper room with his disciples. What an example of someone who would find favor in Jesus. Now, of course, Jesus was beaten There were some people he did not find favor from. We'll get into some of those things later on. But in that upper room, he washed their feet. He taught them. He looked into the eyes of the one who was going to betray him and said, go, do what you must. He broke bread with his disciples and he shared with them the cup of the new covenant all that in the upper room. What an example of humility we have in Jesus. This morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper, let's remember His example for us because there is no finer example than we have in Him. On the night that He was betrayed, He took the bread and He broke it. And He said, this represents my body is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. His body was broken for you. He took on His body sickness and disease that came as a result of the curse so that we do not have to. As we eat together, let's remember. He bore it for us. after supper Jesus took the cup He said this represents the blood of the new covenant the blood of the old covenant covered up sin the blood of the new covenant (laughs) Jesus His blood washed our sins away so that the Holy Spirit could come and make His home in us because we wear His righteousness not our own we drink this together, let's remember it has nothing to do with what we do that makes us righteous. It's what we receive of His. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the great sacrifice you gave us in your Son, Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, bore in his body our penalty, and paid the price that we are redeemed, bought back. We thank you for it. As we go out this week, we want to live the example that Jesus showed us. And I thank you that we can. We give you the praise Amen. and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We have praise reports? You want to give it? Let me find a microphone for you.
1: Okay, I have two praise reports here today. Um, one's from Anto. It's regarding her father. She's thank thanking God for my church family. For all your support and prayers, while my dad was in the hospital, he is out of the hospital now and doing better, slowly regaining his strength. And I thank God and give him praise for healing and restoration. That's good news. Amen. This other one is from Roshan, and it's actually a praise report on having God's (laughs) favor. She said two things happened to her this Saturday. She said the first one, uh, her doctor called her and told her the results of the MRI were normal. She said that her pain or her discomfort um, is muscular and not nerve-related. Now, this is the favor part. She says, I was in Walmart, and as I was checking out, the cashier gave me my total but told me I didn't need to pay for it because the person in front of me had already paid for it. Instead, she turned around and gave me my change. <laughs> she said, still a little stunned but thankful, a car pulled up in front of me, and a lady asked me if the gentleman gave me my change. She said, I was happy to be able to thank her, but most importantly, I thank God for the blessing. Amen. So, somewhere she found favor.
0: Amen. Oh. When you're done, I have
1: an announcement. Good. Okay. Oh, okay. Quick announcement I have. Um, we're doing the shoe boxes again. You all got this in your, um, in your bulletins. There's one minor change. We are no longer able to give the children candy or toothpaste. So anything that's on here um, is, is okay, except at the bottom. Some of them I was able to scratch it off, but if you can, just write an- no candy of any kind, no chocolates, no food items. No bubble gum, none of that. Um, I I feel bad because that's the thing I know the kids really look forward to. But um, if you can get some sort of a wow item for them. People have been asking me what that entails, and that's really just on this little sheet. Dolls that will fit inside a shoebox. Now, the shoebox itself this year we're doing different. I'm not collecting shoeboxes. We're going to get them straight from Samaritan's Purse and use their boxes because they're all the same size. Last year, we had some that were bigger, some that were smaller, and we had to wrap them. This year, we won't have to wrap them. We can just write on there who it's for, a girl or a boy, and the age group, and it's a whole lot faster, a whole lot easier, okay?
0: Good. All right. I don't know how that works. <laughs> we have um, Wednesday night. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews, as Ethel made you well aware of, <laughs> and uh, we are broadcasting live. We're, we're testing this out here. So the Sunday services are broadcast live. The Wednesday night services are broadcast live. We'll have them. You can tune into the uh, Facebook page and see it live. Uh, we are posting it, so if you miss it, you can go back and, and see it later on. On the back, we have the uh, the things we're just clearing out from, tape series and CD series and uh, music tapes and all sorts of stuff back on there. Uh, anything that you put for, uh, into there goes right to the uh, building fund. So we want to clear all those things out. They've been... Uh, Books and CDs and tapes that have been sitting around here for a little while. So they're priced up on the back. Head on back over to there and and check that out. Uh, I keep forgetting to tell you, but I've been getting a few messages from Ara. And she is doing well in her new situation and enjoying school. Uh, The last I heard from her, she did not make the move yet. I think she was planning on the 23rd. Has she made that move yet? She is in it. There, okay. Of course, the last couple of things, we we didn't talk about that one. But uh, she is... In her new new spot, so that that is good. Um, I believe that is all. So have a blessed week and bless some folks before you go out of here. We will see some of you on Wednesday night.